Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report post-game report. So I'm Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to look back at week 17 in the National Football League as the NFL playoffs are now set. Also going to look back at the college football playoff semifinals and look ahead to the college football playoff national championship coming up next Monday. Joining me today is the one and only Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo is here and before we bring in coach Bo, remind the folks out there to subscribe to the jones report new episodes each and every monday and thursday on apple spotify and google podcasts would certainly appreciate it if you checked us out there also on social media facebook.com forward slash tyler jones live tyler jones media group uh instagram tyler jones live jones underscore report twitter tyler jones live and tj media group is where you can find us there certainly would appreciate a follow and a subscription if you did so coach how you doing and appreciate you joining us what a week of football that we have seen over the last few days man yeah but it's thanks for having me on first off this is pretty awesome right to hear at the end and um yeah today was certainly a unique week 17 with some teams sitting well, a lot of teams sitting players and then we end up the Sunday night game with a kind of a weird situation. And, and um, it's been an interesting uh, couple of days of football for sure. Yeah, it has. And uh, the way that we start these Monday shows is a simple question of what did you learn from the weekend? So, Bo, I'll let you start. What did you learn from this weekend uh, in the uh, the football world? Okay, so I learned a couple of things. Uh, one, tonight I learned, uh, as we're recording this Sunday night after the Sunday night game, that the uh, Eagles and the Washington football team game was not quite on the up and up, it seems. Yeah, you know, I, if you're the Giants fan and you're upset about this, uh, you know what? Shut your mouth and have played better. Uh, <laughs> Plain and simple. Uh, you know, uh, Washington put, got, put themselves in a position where if they won, they were in. You know, the Giants didn't do that, so they can just, you know, be quiet. Uh, but what I really learned again, and I kind of was thinking this way, Buffalo's really good. And uh, we saw an offensive explosion from them again. That defense is really good. They're going to be a tough out. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly think so. Um, I, I say this in jest. Uh, kind of half kidding, half not. What I learned this weekend, Bo, is uh, that Doug Peterson clearly is a gambler because that's the only reason why I can justify what he did on Sunday night of clearly giving away that game against Washington. And then you go back several weeks ago to the game against Seattle, and for no reason, the game did not matter, was already out of reach. He decides to go for a two-point conversion, which just happened to cover the spread for Philly. That's what I've come to a conclusion is that uh, it's very obvious that uh, Doug Peterson uh, clearly has a uh, another interest of some sorts when it comes to these Eagles games. Yeah, I loved how Collinsworth during the broadcast was trying to say, well, you know, the analytics say that if you don't kick the field goal and you go for it on fourth down, you actually come out better. There are a place for that, but every football coach would tell you, take the lead when you can. Right. I mean, I just, uh, I, mean, uh, I know you know me well enough to know I have a, 
uh, a little bit of an angst on Chris Collinsworth right now anyway. So I'm like, okay, you're not going to explain that one away, Slick. Just let it go. <laughs> oh, wow. That was a disaster and a fitting end to the NFC East season on a Sunday night. Now Washington is uh, headed to the playoffs. And uh, that is where we uh, go for today's show after we have figured out what we learned. Now here's another thing we learned, how the playoff picture looks. So the Packers and the Chiefs each have a first-round bye. They will not play this week. The Chiefs actually sat their starters against the Chargers this past week. Uh, So essentially Patrick Mahomes and company, they're going to have about two weeks off before they come back for the divisional round game. So in the AFC, that means that the Ravens will play the Tennessee Titans. The Titans barely squeaked out a win against the Houston Texans. So they win the division, get the four seed, take on a really good Baltimore team that would like to get some revenge after that playoff game a season ago. Um, In the AFC, you're also going to see the Browns, who won a nail-biter against the second-string Steelers. They're going to play the Steelers again, this time in Pittsburgh. That one's going to be on Sunday night, back-to-back weeks. Also in the AFC, uh, on Saturday, the seven-seed Colts are going to take on the number two-seed Buffalo Bills, that game in Buffalo. And uh, the way it works is that the Chiefs and the Packers will play the lowest seed remaining out of the wild-card round. And for whatever reason, the NFL wants to call this super wild-card weekend. It's still wild-card weekend as far as I'm concerned. Uh, But with that being said, uh, if you're the Chiefs, you can play either the Colts, um, you can play the Ravens, uh, the Browns, or the Titans is the matchup that you could potentially see. If you're the Packers, now here's their situation. Here's how the NFC looks. Um, on Saturday, you got the Rams taking on the Seahawks, and you got the as the 6-3 matchup, the Bucs taking on the uh, Washington football team after their division title, <laughs> a home game for Washington. What a disgrace. And then uh, on Sunday, the seven-seed Bears, uh, who have been so you know slimy all season long, fitting, they get to play on Nickelodeon uh, as they take on the New Orleans Saints coming up on Sunday. So that's the NFC playoff picture. The Packers will then face the uh, lowest seed remaining, as we mentioned, which would be either the Rams, um, the Bears, uh, the Bucks, or Washington. So – Bo, looking at this playoff picture now, let's start with the AFC here. Um, you know, I, I look at this and, and I think that, you know, the Titans, the Ravens, obviously, obviously the Chiefs, um, and the Bills, those are the four teams I think that uh, are serious in the AFC. I, I don't think Indy can do much. I think Cleveland might be able to win Sunday, but I don't see anywhere beyond that. Pittsburgh um is a very flawed football team those are the four teams i'm looking for what 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 do you make out of the afc okay so um i'm down to three okay uh, the chief buffalo tennessee um i would like indy if their matchup wasn't buffalo i think indy's going to have a problem with buffalo um i think that the best game out of those is going to be baltimore tennessee but I don't know that Baltimore is playing well enough to beat Tennessee and then possibly beat the Chiefs after. That's too much to ask for that team. So if I was going to say who's a threat, 
Um, the three teams I'm looking at the AFC are the Chiefs, Buffalo, Tennessee. Okay. Um, you know, Buffalo is an interesting case study. I, I think a lot of people are looking at this as Kansas City and Buffalo, you know, as the one and two seeds, obviously, as the favorites in this. And if we were talking about momentum, if that's something that you care about, Buffalo's playing a lot better football than Kansas City is right now. But the Chiefs, we, we've said for a while, Bo, that this team was kind of in cruise control. Their season didn't really start until the postseason as their goal was not about the regular season. It was about repeating as Super Bowl champs. And so when you look at this, the Bills or the Chiefs, let's narrow it down a step further between those two teams. Who do you like better? Do you like Buffalo, who, who's coming in, playing some of their best football of the year right now, or a Kansas City team that they're going to have a couple weeks off, but uh, they're not not playing great right now. They, they certainly uh, have looked like they're limping in the playoffs of sorts almost with these close games they've played. I like Buffalo. I, I really do. I think the momentum thing is real. I think the Chiefs haven't played – uh, they're not the fantastic team that they were early in the season or late last season. Um, the offense is sputtered at times. Now, now I don't mean sputter as in being poor. I mean, just they're not a, they're not five-star. They've been four-star. Um, their defense has played a little better, but they were really like a two-star playing a little better. I like Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to win the AFC. I, I like them a lot. That momentum, they're playing well. Um, Josh Allen has won me over, at least for this season. I think the difference is I like Buffalo's defense. And I think the Buffalo's defense can get after the Chiefs. And I think that you're going to look at a team that can score with the Chiefs, but it also could have a couple of stops. If that's the game we see in the AFC Championship, I would lean – if I was turning the dial, 60-40 to Buffalo. Okay. Well, here's the way I look at this is, you know, Buffalo, credit where credit's due for the football they're playing right now, um, as good as anybody in the National Football League right at, at the moment. If the Bills play an A game and the Chiefs play a B-minus game, the Bills win. No question about it. Um, but – when I look at Bo, and I have died on this hill all season long, dating back to week one of the season, is that this Chiefs team has held something back, that they have not played to what they're capable of, that Andy Reid hasn't showed us everything, that once they built up that big lead in a game against Tampa, you know, they called off the dogs a bit, ran the football, tried to wear out clock and such. Um, now it's playoff time. It's winter go home. I think we're going to see a different Chiefs team uh, come a couple weeks from now, and that's why I have them winning the AFC and ultimately winning the Super Bowl is we're going to see a different team uh, here in a couple weeks. But, Bo, you, you don't think it's a given that you can just flip the switch like that, right? No, I really don't. I don't think it's a given. Now, if a team can, the Chiefs are very talented. I mean, they're just – they are extremely talented, especially on offense. Um, if a team can just turn it on, you know, with the snap of a, fit, of, a, of a hand, then yes, the Chiefs are that team. But I think there's something to be said about playing a couple tough games at the end of the year, having been challenged and answering the bell. Buffalo has answered the bell in a big-time way the last three weeks. 
that's a really good team, and they've gotten better. I see the I see Buffalo as what the Chiefs were last year. I'm not saying they're as good, and I'm not saying Josh Allen is Patrick Mahomes. He's certainly not, but Josh Allen has played very well. He's yeah. put them in places to win. They can run the football, and they can play defense. Um, it, it could be that they're but Buffalo's maybe a year early. Maybe it's 2021 um, that Buffalo is, you know, the favorite, so to speak. But I think they have a really legit chance. And I think the momentum thing is real. I think it is a big deal. The other piece I think on this is I don't think Arrowhead's going to be intimidating to Buffalo. I mean, it's colder in Buffalo. So sure. that's going to be an issue. Um, I think that there's not the big crowd. You're not going to have, you know, you know, the arrowhead crowd, the arrowhead magic. I, I think that, again, both teams going there and they're playing an excellent game. It's going to be a really competitive game. Whoever plays the best that day wins. I mean, it, that's kind yeah. of a cliche to say, but it's going to take your best shot. Uh, who's more likely to play a complete A game, both sides of the ball. I think right now it's Buffalo. If I had to say which of the four units is the most likely to play in A performance, it's the Chiefs offense. But I've seen some things in the Chiefs offense a couple times where I'm like, I don't know. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being out is hurting them. I don't think the last couple of games that Mahomes played he didn't look right, and especially last week. Uh, and it, it was more of a, I don't think there's an injury. Maybe there's something we don't know about, but he just kind of looked down. And I guess that's something that if you're going to flip the switch in the playoffs, maybe the Chiefs are capable. Maybe you're right, and Andy Reid's got three things in his hip pocket. Well, I don't think a trick play is going to be the difference between Buffalo and the Chiefs in that championship game. I think it's going to be who comes out and plays the best from the first snap to the last. Well, and uh, if you want to point to the first meeting between these two teams, I would say you almost got to just wipe that tape out the window. I would say there's a 0% chance that Andy Reid's going to run the ball 40 times and rush for over 250 yards with his running backs. That's just simply not happening. And so these are two very different teams than they were back in October, but certainly the teams to beat the AFC – out of this point in time. So Bo and I are split there. We like uh, uh, different teams there coming out of the AFC. He likes Buffalo. I like Kansas City, but we'll uh, ultimately see what happens. One Go thing ahead. I do say, Tyler, is I think Tennessee is still the team that can give the Chiefs a, a – a, can muddy up a game against the Chiefs with the run game. Um, I think that Derrick Henry, that defense, you know, Tannehill can hit you with a, with a, with a big bomb once in a while, that play action – if Tennessee can play, it ends up playing the Chiefs, which if seeding holds, they would. Um, that's a team that's built specifically to play and to slow down that offense. Uh, Chiefs, you know, put some points on the board, that game's over. But if not, they can control the clock, and that's a big deal in playing the Chiefs. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to the NFC side now, Bo. Uh, we mentioned the Packers with – that uh, that time off, you know, they get this week off after that win against the Bears. And uh, so now we'll see Rams Seahawks on Saturday as well as Bucks uh, Washington. And then on Sunday, it's the Bears in New Orleans. 
Bo, I, I would say that you you look at the teams that can come out of the the NFC. Obviously, Green Bay and New Orleans can. Um, and then there's only one other team I think that can, and I think it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I look at that team, and you know, sure that they've been up and down throughout the year, but they played better football down the stretch. Tom Brady. He threw his 40th touchdown pass of the season today. That's crazy that Tom Brady's out here throwing 40 touchdown passes at this point in his career. They're starting to click at the right time. I think it's those three, but even with including the box, I still think it's Green Bay at about, let's say, a 60% chance to come out of the NFC. I'd put about uh, 20 with uh, New Orleans. And then the rest of that I'd put with Tampa Bay at this point. Um, you know, I, I, I would say that you look at those three and then the, the rest of them are pretty much also Rams. Uh, the, the Rams have fallen apart. The Seahawks aren't that great. Obviously, we don't even need to mention the Washington football team. And then the Bears shouldn't even be in this thing. It's a disgrace that they're in there uh, in the postseason with a 500 record as a wildcard team. Uh, what say you when it comes to the NFC? I agree with you on those three teams. Um, Tampa is the team that is uh, peaking at the right time. If you want, the old man's kind of playing. He, he's playing better now than he was early in the year. Uh, New Orleans, look, I'm the Saints homer here. So um, I'm worried as a Saints fan. I'm worried because Breeze isn't right. They are getting Michael Thomas back. That's going to be huge, getting Michael Thomas back. Um, but now the entire running backs room has COVID or is on covid um, watch or whatever. They're, they're out this week or they're hope to get them back next week. Um, what the Saints will have to do to be the, uh, the to make a run is run the football. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Run. That's the reason they hurried Drew Brees back. Um, I think it's the hardest thing for the Saints is the Saints need to avoid Tampa. You know, the old ad of you can't beat a team. It's hard to beat a team three times in a season. Saints have done it twice, and they caught them both early, and I'm not sure they can do it a third time. Um, having said that, Saints have the best defense in the, in the NFC. Green Bay has the best offense. Um, the best team is Green Bay. It's not even close. You put percentages on it earlier, I'll go with a higher percentage. I think it's an 80% chance that Green Bay is going to win the NFC. I think it's about a 15% chance in the Saints and about a 5% chance in the Bucks. I think what the Saints have got to do is avoid playing Tampa and then get a big-time game against Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay has got to beat Tampa. I mean, that's the thing that's going to happen. I figure New Orleans beats at Chicago. I like Seattle over the Rams, uh, mostly because the Rams' offense has sputtered really poorly. Um and then I like Tampa over Washington. That would put Tampa playing Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle. That New Orleans, Seattle game could go either way. I like New Orleans and the home on that. So give me New Orleans versus Green Bay in the NFC. But I do like Green Bay in that case. Yeah, I have uh, you know Green Bay, New Orleans in the NFC championship, like you would do with New Orleans uh, losing to Green Bay. Uh, what, what I would say, you know, when it comes to an interesting thing to look for, um, and I think we've mentioned this before, Bo, is there's no home field advantage in these playoffs. Those places that have 16 or 18,000 fans, that doesn't 
mean anything. It doesn't make an impact. Um, what is the home field advantage, though, is the weather, those environments. And I don't want to play Green Bay in January in, you know, 15-degree snow weather when it's, you know, butt-ass cold. No thanks. You know, that's that's an advantage for Green Bay. Um you know, that that would be a home field advantage. But crowd size and all that, no such thing in this case. I would say don't sleep in the idea of Tampa going into Green Bay, not only because they've beat Green Bay earlier in this year, but if there's one guy that's done pretty well in the weather in the playoffs, it's Tom Brady. Don't be fooled by the name Tampa Bay on the front of the jersey. Gronk, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, those guys played for – uh, you know, the Steelers, the Patriots, some Northern teams and everything like that. Um, I would say something to watch for. Yes, Green Bay has a home field advantage, but Tampa Bay, don't sleep on that. New Orleans, that's a team historically who struggled in cold weather. Uh, I would feel very confident uh, about Green Bay's chances head-to-head New Orleans in that case. What, what, what say you as far as that home field advantage factor? Well, I agree with you on that. So we talked about, you know, going back to KC and Buffalo. That's the reason I like Buffalo is that I think that that one advantage the Chiefs would have against certain teams of uh, being an arrowhead in the cold that kind of gets wiped out with Buffalo. Um, I think the tough one is for New Orleans. New Orleans going and playing from a, being a dome team, playing in what could be a really cold, could be a snowy atmosphere in Green Bay in, an, in a possible NFC championship game. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, in that case, that's why I think it's so important that the Saints run the football. Uh, that's the equalizer for them, is to run the football, control the clock. Um, and by doing that, they have a fighter's chance in that case. But I do think in the end, I like Rodgers and the Packers. I think Rodgers is the MVP. They've played incredibly well. I actually like the Packers as the Super Bowl champ. So um, that's you know, going out a little bit of a limb. But uh, that's who I like right now. I think that that um, you flip that thing on the weather piece. If Tampa is the team that goes to goes to Green Bay and beats them, then that game is in New Orleans, then you got a different ball game. Right. Uh, that'll be interesting, and that'll end up being a shootout. Yeah, that'll I like be that'll be That'll be Brady versus Breeze. Right. And in that case, I kind of like Brady – as far as the head-to-head matchup, the difference is the Saints have got a much better defense. Right. I respect Demario Davis and that front four of the Saints to get right after Tom Brady, and he's not going to have a big game against them. Oh, I could see that. And, uh, you know, when we talk about peaking in teams, you know, in the place they're at, Bo, you know, looking at your Saints, um, you know, I know that you mentioned Drew Brees does not look the same, you know, that he, he was even earlier this season, let alone, you know, last year since he's come back from injury and such. But just watching this team the last few weeks, it, it hasn't mattered how well Drew Brees has or hasn't played. They are still playing terrific football in spite of their quarterback. I think the worst of Drew Brees this year is probably behind him. If, if he steps it up just a little bit, that will go a long ways for that New Orleans team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, again, the biggest thing is Alvin Kamara. If, yeah. if they can run the ball with Alvin Kamara, they don't get food. And getting Michael Thomas back will be huge for New Orleans. That'll be Breeze's safety blanket. He has not had Michael Thomas or um, um, uh, Traquan Smith 
both the uh, all three starts that he's been back. So that's going to be huge for New Orleans. A couple more receivers, a couple more people that Breeze is comfortable with. Um, Breeze has not played horrible. He actually looked pretty good today uh, from what I did. So I do think that he's not, you know, I still think he's a little washed. He doesn't, he's got, he doesn't have any arm strength. But I do like they have a chance. They have a puncher's chance in any game. Uh, right. But I think the biggest part of the Saints right now is their defense. They have, I think they have the best defense in the NFL right now. Yeah, you can certainly uh, make that case uh, for New Orleans. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun, these playoffs uh, here the uh, next couple of weeks as all gets started uh, with a wild card weekend coming up. Uh, next weekend. Real quick, let's just go through the, the Week 17 games, how we got to this point, a look back of sorts, Bo. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll go through these just real quickly here. Uh, the Bills with a big win over the Dolphins, uh, and you know they sat some of their guys later in this game. They end up winning 56-26. to 26. The Dolphins missed the playoffs after this loss. It was a must-win game for Miami. They're done. Buffalo moves on. And like we were saying, Bo, this team is just clicking right now. There is something different about Buffalo. And Miami, you, you finished 10 and 6, you missed the postseason. I, I don't think you're hanging your heads. I think if you're Miami, realistically, you weren't going to win a playoff game anyway. I think Brian Flores and company still has to be pretty happy with how this season went for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, again, we think we talked about Buffalo already and everything they're doing. Um, yeah, I don't think that. I think Brad Flores does a great job with the Dolphins. That's the youngest team in the NFL. They really don't have a quarterback right now. We're trying to, they keep trying to figure out what he's doing there. Is it Tua? Is it going to be Fitzpatrick? They, he kind of plays around with that a little too much, but um, they don't have anything to hang their hat on. At the beginning of the season, if you just said the Dolphins were going to finish 10 and 6, every Dolphins fan would have taken that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Ravens with a 38 to three win over the Bengals, they finish 11 and five. And when they suffered that loss against the chiefs early in the season, people wondered what on earth is going on with this Baltimore team. At one point they had an outside chance to make the playoffs and they rally with a strong finish to the year. Uh, I, I, I tell you, Bo, I, I said it a few minutes ago, that's a team that scares me, that, uh, that that could be a sneaky good team. If, you, if you're Kansas City, we talk about, you know, uh, of how many times that you beat somebody, eventually it's going to catch up to you. If I'm Kansas City, that's the last team I want to face in the divisional round is, uh, is Baltimore coming into Kansas City like that. Yeah, I, I like the Ravens as well. I think the issue with the Ravens, they don't have as good a run game as they did last year. Uh, they're going to re- have to rely more on Lamar Jackson than they did last year. I mean, he was the MVP. He was fantastic. But they were able to run the ball a little more at times to keep defenses uh, honest, if you will. Um, if Lamar Jackson can carry the Ravens, then they can do well. They can win two games or maybe even make a run. Who knows? Um, I also wonder, you talked about how strong they played late in the season. The last couple of wins, the Bengals today, not a very good team. We'll admit that. Um, you've got uh, the, the game against the Steelers, that Monday night game a couple weeks ago, which was a fantastic game. And I guess I the Browns. That was the Browns, I'm sorry. Uh, a fantastic game that was. But what do we really think about the Browns right now? I don't know. It's kind of hard to judge the Ravens based on those actual wins. What I can say is 
I, I like the effort they've put in to get back to being what they think they are. Um, and again, they got a coach who's been there. That's a big deal as well. Well, a uh, young quarterback who I do think the Ravens and the Chiefs, if they got a game against the Chiefs, it'd be interesting. That's going to be something that Lamar Jackson's going to be like, hey, I want what he's got. Right. Talking about Mahomes. And so, but I, I don't know that, I think they're going to be too dependent on Lamar Jackson right now. Yeah. I think that's, Maybe they're, they're a team that could clean up some things in the offseason, and next season they could be very, very tough. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson became the first quarterback in NFL history with multiple 1,000-yard rushing seasons after that performance against Cincinnati. The uh, Steelers lose to the, uh, the Browns 24-22. Uh, to 22. Browns yeah. lock up a playoff spot, finish 11-5. Pittsburgh finishes at 12-4, and four, losing four out of their last five. Uh, but Bo, you know, the, the Browns, it was a must win game for them. And it still took everything in their manpower to win this football game. The Steelers were lollygagging around, you know, they, they went back and forth between Mason Rudolph and, uh, you know, Joshua Dobbs and such, and still had a chance to win this game. Steelers covered. If I'm the Steelers after that game, knowing you're going to play the Browns next week, I know it's a week to le- week league, but I got to be feeling pretty good knowing you gave a half-ass effort and still almost beat the Browns. Now you're going to be back at full force next week. There's no reason why Pittsburgh shouldn't win at home next week against Cleveland. Well, I think that uh, both teams wanted to play this very vanilla. Um, The Browns did not want to show anything. The Steelers come out with the two-quarterback thing because they got one quarterback for a run game and one quarterback for a passing game. Uh, Having Joshua Dobbs come in and run some read option stuff, it's a pretty good deal for the Steelers. Um. I don't know. I don't like either of these two teams to make a run. Um, I think it'll be an interesting matchup. It's hard to go from that, you know, one game and then go play it, you know, run it back to next week. Um, I think if I had to lean one way, I like the Browns in a, in a, a rematch, but I mean, I don't, I don't have any confidence in that at all. I don't really know who sure. either of these teams are right now. Right. Um, real quick, the Vikings beat the Lions, uh, 37-35. Lions fall to 5-11. and 11. The uh, Vikings at seven and nine. Uh, this was a team that thought that they could contend for the division, potentially make a run. They finished at seven and nine here. Uh, disappointing year for uh, Minnesota, but Bo, you you still thinking Zimmer's going to be back next year in Minnesota? You know, I don't know. I, I was going to ask you the same question. I I wonder if I don't think he's the problem. Okay. I think the problem is the guy playing quarterback. You know, I've said that for right. and I agree. Thursday after the Thursday show. You know what I say about Kirk Cousins? Every time he cashes a paycheck, he's stealing money. money. Um, you know, I wonder if it's a situation where, you know, if you're Mike Zimmer, you go in and you say, hey, you know, it, it comes down to this. Let me say it this way. Let me phrase it this way. It's not coming down to this. Whose choice was Kirk Cousins? Um, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. If that was Mike Zimmer's choice, he got to go. <laughs> if that wasn't Mike Zimmer's choice, then Mike Zimmer should have an opportunity to have the quarterback he wants. Yeah. I, I would agree to that. Uh, that's fair. That's that's what I want to know. That's, the, that's how I would answer that question. Yeah. Uh, Lions job, we know it's open. Um, that's one I would, I would stay away from. I, I do not think that they are – 
uh, going to be high on the list of getting any elite coaches uh, out there. I mean, that's that's been such a loser job. That's pretty much asking to get fired for anyone that takes that job. I did just see they hired um, as a special assistant to the owner, um, whom I think can be – he was the analyst on ESPN, uh, former player – oh, Oh gosh, now I can't think of his name, but yeah, they just hired someone. I really like the idea too. Um, look it up. It was the, the low linebacker. Um, God, why am I forgetting this now? Let's see. Um, yeah, now, now I got to figure this out myself. Or uh... He was a college football uh, analyst. One of the guys. Oh, they hired Chris Spillman. That's who it was. He was doing play-by-play. It was Chris Spillman. Chris Spillman, that's the one. I can see him playing his day, but I can't his name. Yeah, so they hired Chris Spillman. I think that's going to help them. I think that they're bringing him in, sort of like what the 49ers did with John Lynch. Yeah. And saying, hey, you've got contacts. What? We need football people. You know, I think you and I talked about this off the air a couple weeks ago about how certain franchises, they really need football people. You know, the analytics is a, is a big deal, but you need football people. Mm-hmm. And – the Lions don't have that, and I think that that's a big deal to do that. It'll be interesting. I want to see who they hire. I, you, I would have thought that Matt Patricia would have done a better job than he did there. Um, and then, you know, I've also thought he was kind of the fraud, the pencil on the animated card. Um, I wonder if he goes back to New England and works yeah. with his old buddy Belichick. That seems to be what happens when head coaches don't do well that are disciples of his. Speaking um, of – Speaking of Belichick, uh, the Patriots closed out the year with a 28-14 to win over the Jets. They finished 7-9. and The Jets are 2-14. and Jets didn't even wait for Black Monday to fire Adam Gase. He's uh, gone on Sunday night. And uh, so the Patriots, you know, an up-and-down year. I don't think it was a surprise for them to finish this way, but the, you got to imagine there'll be some drastic changes coming in this offseason in New England and and uh, they'll get a lot of guys back from the opt-outs and such. The Jets, um, that job, Eric Bieniemy's name has come up. Um, you know that that job, I think, despite the lack of success with the Jets, because of having the high draft pick, the, the draft pick being in New York and everything, that will be a coveted job. Um, it, it, the only way the Jets can mess up this hire is on their own. Uh, they'll, they'll have some some candidates that would be very good coaches that will want that job. Yeah, it's a, New, it's a New York job. I mean, you want to coach in New York. I mean, it's just that's as big as it gets. Uh, they do have a high pick. They, they screwed up getting the first pick. That's how bad Adam Gase was. And then on top of that, you've got uh, – they got a good salary cap situation. And, uh, you know, you look at that and go, okay, well, there's some opportunity here. They're going to get a good coach. The biggest thing going – the biggest problem they have is a coach is going to come in – and needs to know is the organization tied to Sam Darnold or not? Mm-hmm. You know, are we committed to Sam Darnold? Is this going to be the, the the hill I have to die on? Um, if that's the first question I would ask if I was going to interview, yeah. you know, what is the situation of me coming in here with that quarterback? I don't know how I feel is what I would say if I don't know. You know, personally, I don't know. But if, if you're the quarter, if you're the coach, and you have an opinion on that, uh, you need to go in and ask the first question to ask. Okay, what's my quarterback situation? If I right. want this guy out, can he be out? Even right. though we're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. Right. 
you know, can we go get Justin Field or can I go get a veteran or can I make a big time trade? Uh, there's going to be a number of QBs out there. Yeah. Um, the uh, Giants beat the Cowboys 23-19. to 19. Both teams end up at 6-10. and 10. The Giants, though, did miss the playoffs with uh, not getting that help from Philly like they wanted, and uh, Washington ultimately ends up winning the division. Um, you know, Dallas, they're going to keep their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. They signed him to an extension after he turned down the Boise State job. Um, you know, looking at these two franchises, uh, obviously it was, you know, rough years, both at 6-10. and 10, but, Bo, who, who do you think is in better shape for the future? Is it the Cowboys with uh, trying to figure out this Dak situation with, with uh, Mike McCarthy there, or is it the Giants with Daniel Jones and Joe Judge and company there? Um, I, I would lean towards Dallas, uh, but I, I'm not confident saying that. So right now, I lean the other way. I think the Giants are a better job. The Cowboys are in salary cap nightmare. And their, their offensive line is old. That was being the best part of their team two seasons ago to being the worst part of their team. Uh, you got to deal with the Dak Prescott situation. You got as high a pick as you're ever going to have, at least they've had in the past few years. But the expectations in both places are so high. Uh, they're even higher in Dallas. And I just don't know that – I'd like to know what Mike McCarthy's thinking on the Dak Prescott thing. Um, I think – think that that's a team where they could be a team that could surprise everybody and make a huge deal uh, if it gets to get to move Dak. I don't think that's likely, but they could. Um, the, the biggest problem they have is the salary cap. And when you've got so many aging players in that team, uh, especially in places like the offensive line, uh, the defense has just played, you know, putrid at times. Uh, they're not as talented as they've been in the last couple of years. And a couple of the players they overpaid for on the offensive side. And frankly, Ezekiel Elliott's been terrible. I mean, he's been awful. Uh, they got to figure that situation out. There's a lot to do if you're the Dallas Cowboys right now. And there's not a lot of positives about that. that. Mm-hmm. Giants, on the other hand, you might have your quarterback. Daniel Jones might not be bad. I don't know if he's a franchise guy, but it, he's not played. If you watch him, he's not played bad. Yeah. He has improved. He's better this year than he was last year. He's better the second half of the season. He was the first half of the season. There are not a lot of weapons around him. Uh, there's an easier room to improve if you're the Giants. The Cowboys have got a lot of things they're going to have to do in-house to get better before they can even think about going out and getting something. Yeah. They, uh, the box beat the Falcons. Matt Ryan did Matt Ryan things, and they fall to 4-12 and 12 to end the season. And uh, that's a job opening that uh, Raheem Morris, their interim head co- coach, is interviewing for. Um, they're also interviewing Eric Bieniemy. Those are some early names that have come up for that job. We mentioned with the Bucs getting hot at the right time. Brady, four touchdowns. That offense has come to life here. Like the Bucs, um, the Falcons job, um, that intrigues me because, you know, that, that's a team that, uh, you know, I think you need to move on from the quarterback. You know, just be honest. <laughs> um, you need to move on from the quarterback. You have some good receivers there. Great stadium. You know, a uh, an owner and, and Arthur Plank that uh, has been committed to winning and such. There, um, that's an intriguing job there in Atlanta. And uh, I'll be very curious who ends up there. 
Yeah, I, I think they're either going to stay with Raheem Morris, and I, who I really like as a coach. I think he got a raw deal in Tampa. Um, I do like Raheem Morris. Um, the other one, I think, is uh, Northwestern's coach. Um, Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald. So I think of Pat something, yeah. Pat Fitzgerald is going to interview for that job, too. Uh, he'd be a decent fit there. If I wasn't such a big Saints fan, I'd be rooting for Arthur Blank to make a good decision here. Here and to get him a good, a good, a good coach. Um, I really respect Arthur Blank. I love what they've done with that stadium. I went to it last year. Uh, they want to be a big part of that community. That's why it's it's the most inexpensive stadium in the league. Uh, it's actually really cool to go to. I really want to see the Falcons for the owner's sake. I want to see them make a good decision. The biggest problem you mentioned it earlier is Matt Bryant, and. I don't think they can get out of his contract. I think they've got some salary cap issues with that for a couple of years. They're going to have to either find a way to move him or get very, very creative salary cap wise. Um, I don't see Eric B enemy ending, ending up there. I think that he's going to be able to pick his job. He wants, I don't think that's the best fit for him. I don't think that's the quarterback. He's going to want. Sure. Uh, we, we mentioned Green Bay, how well that they've played as of late. Four touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. He's the MVP. They beat the Bears 35-16. to 16. Um, The Bears, you make the postseason, sure, but you did it eight, at 8-8. Eight and eight. Mitch Trubisky was your quarterback down the stretch here. Um, this is one of the worst playoff teams of all time. I mean – uh, they're they're going to play the Saints, and Bo, I, I, I think this team is going to get crushed. Um, you know, Mitch Trubisky has not earned that job for next year. I don't know if uh, that staff, uh, you know, has all earned the rights to come back next year. Um, you know, that that is uh, – don't be fooled by just the fact that they got in the playoffs. That's a bad team. Yeah, they're not a great team at all, um, and I – think that the question really is going to be has Mitchell Trubisky earned himself an opportunity at a contract extension um, his contract's up they don't have they have zero quarterbacks under contract next season um, the Bears also they're not going to put a franchise tag on Trubisky that'd be stupid <laughs> um, I mean you want never going to pay that guy that much money so it's one of those questions where well do you give him a one-year deal do you look at Cam Newton at, you know, you know, making a trade for someone. I, I, I think the bears, the biggest mistake the bears can make and I, their staff can stay for all I care. I think that they've, they've earned themselves an opportunity with how they've played down the stretch that that team's improved. The biggest thing I would not overreact on is I would not overreact on Mitchell Trubisky. I would not give him another chance. I yeah. think I would move on unless he's willing to take a one year deal and compete with a veteran. And I'd bring in a veteran in that case. Yeah, I, I would just draft a new quarterback uh, at this point, uh, but we'll see what uh, Chicago does. Uh, the Raiders taking on the Broncos. The Raiders got a 32-31 to win. They finally end their long losing streak. And uh, afterwards, uh, John Gruden said that he was going to celebrate with a cooler's light after finishing the season 8-8. Eight and eight. The Broncos fall to 5-11. and 11. Uh, really an injury-riddled year for the Broncos, uh, you know, up and down. Um, I, I bet that Drew Locke gets another chance, even though I don't think he's the guy there in Denver. I think he and Vic Fangio and company are all going to be back that they kind of throw away this year with as much injuries that they had. 
Uh, for the Raiders at eight and eight, sure, you, you thought you were going to make the playoffs at one point, but realistically, you know, if you take a, a step back before the season began, if we said the Raiders were going to be eight and eight, I think everybody would have been thrilled. Like, you know, that's uh, that's a big improvement for them. So, although down the stretch things didn't go the way they wanted, I think uh, the Raiders have uh, reason to be optimistic about their future. They just got to figure out this Derek Derek Carr situation, Bo. Yeah, the Raiders uh, situation, go there first, is um, Derek Carr. What do you do there? I mean, he's someone they can get away from if they need to. I don't know that he's the best fit for John Gruden. Um, John Gruden likes project guys. So I want to see what he's going to make a decision on there. Um, you know, he and Mike Mayock have made some really interesting decisions, and they've been right more than they've been wrong. Um, I read something in the Athletic this past week that was saying how wrong they've been on stuff, and I couldn't disagree more. I think that offense has got pieces all over the place, um, and I think that that defense is pretty decent. I think they've played; they had a couple of bad games, uh, so there needs some improvement on that side of the ball. Uh, that is the one knock I do have on John Gruden is he doesn't focus as much on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I think that you'll see Mayock bring in a couple guys and. How do the Raiders figure out their quarterback situation moving forward? Uh, if they stay with Derek Carr, they're making a huge mistake. That's not a franchise guy. If you're going to keep him, then you have to have the best defense on the field every week. Plain and simple. And, and I don't. And they had do. one of the worst defenses in the and, league. Yeah, and I mean they've had a couple. They got a couple of good, good players over there, but they don't have eleven of them. Uh, the Broncos, you're a hundred percent spot on. They have basically punted the season. When Von Miller had to opt out because of health and the COVID stuff and his issues, that was a not, that was it for them. You know, that way, and, and they played that correctly. They played this season correctly. Hey, go out there, play hard every week, do what we've got to do. We know we're going to get beat up on, and let's plan on 2021. 20, they're really 2022. But I would think that if they do some things right, the Broncos can be – better in 2021 i'm not sold on drew Locke, but uh i i don't trust john elway on picking quarterbacks either so yeah he had a real good record the record so far man and, and something tells me that elway is gonna bring in carson wentz and really just uh you know that it seems like an elway type move to to go that route uh, i i think that's a possibility um i think that carson wentz is a possibility for them I also think that's the that's the place that a veteran ends up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule out Philip Rivers uh, heading to Denver. Uh, that that seems like that the type of quarterback that that uh, uh, Elway might be looking for. The uh, Colts beat the Jags twenty eight to fourteen, and uh, the Colts at eleven and five. They are in the postseason as the number seven seed in the AFC. That uh, you know, this is the first year we've ever had you know seven seeds in each conference. So. Uh, the Colts, uh, you know, comparing them to the Bears, are the greatest seven seed in NFL history. Um, <laughs> with that being said, really good year for the Colts. I think that team's got to be happy, even if they, you know, lose to Buffalo like we expect to. That's a team that has, I think, overachieved this year, being an eleven and five team. The Jags, uh, another loss, one and fifteen. You're going to have the number one pick. Don't listen to Mike Florio. It's still going to be Trevor Lawrence. Doesn't matter what happened. We'll talk about those games coming up in just a bit. But what happened in that semifinal does not matter. That was one game. Trevor Lawrence will be their guy. 
Urban Meyer's name has come up. Ryan Day's name has come up. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald. It seems like the Jags are leaning towards a college coach. And, you know, all those guys are good coaches. Don't get me wrong. But this league does not have a great track record when it comes to college coaches in the National Football League. There are um, exceptions with the Pete Carrolls, the Barry Switzers, the Jimmy Johnsons of the world. But historically speaking, it doesn't work. Not saying that it can't, but historically speaking, it says it's a bad idea that the guys can't adapt. Look at what Steve Spurrier was, Chip Kelly, the list goes on and on. So uh, with that being said, what, what, what do you make of the uh, Colts and the Jags both right now, Bo? Right. So the Colts, 11-5 is phenomenal for them this season. Uh, they should be very happy with that. Uh, you and I mentioned this again, we talked offline a couple weeks ago, and the funny part to me about the Colts is they are one player away. I said to you this past week, if the Indianapolis Colts still had Andrew Luck, they're the favorite in the AFC. Yeah. They are a complete football team, except for that one position but it's unfortunately the most important position on the field. Um, I think Indy is a possible landing spot for Carson Wentz. I was listening to uh, Andrew Brandt's podcast this past week. He had on his guest, it was the former Eagles president. And they were talking about Frank Wright kind of has a relationship with Carson Wentz and that he might be the one who can convince himself that he can fix Carson and wets if he thinks he can that could be a landing spot because then you're thinking we've got our franchise guy our andrew luck replacement um i think it's a terrible idea first off i don't think he's a good quarterback didn't think he was a good quarterback but he got it but um if frank Wright thinks he can do it then that's his guy um i do expect the colts to upgrade their quarterback they did bring in real rivers on a one-year deal he played better than i thought he would honestly uh, he wasn't the crybaby that he's been in San Diego his whole career. Um, so I think that's, he's done a little better there. Uh, that's a team that unfortunately had one incident that hurt the entire franchise, and that was the retirement of Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars, talking about them, are the worst-run NFL franchise. I'm going to repeat that. The worst-run NFL franchise. I'm sitting here in Lawrence, Kansas, in front of my computer, and if the, Jaguar, Jaguar, if the Jaguars called me to be their head coach, I'd ask for my contract to be fully guaranteed because that's a train wreck, and no coach is going to go in there and fix that team. That team is so poorly run that the Khan family is not a good, not good NFL owners. They're not good anything owners. Um, they're going to hire a college coach, which is going to be a mistake, I mean, they're going to bring it. They're going to bring in Urban Meyer. That's what it's going to be. They're going to bring in Urban Meyer and draft Trevor Lawrence. I'm not convinced Trevor Lawrence is the end-all, be-all, that he's a savior. I think he's got a very good opportunity physically to be a great quarterback. However, if he goes to Jacksonville, it's going to look like Joe Burrow did this year in Cincinnati. And he's going to be playing behind the eight ball in a really poor organization. If you're Trevor Lawrence, you better be calling your agent and leaking things to Mike Florio and Adam Schefter and everybody, calling them all saying, I ain't going there. I'd rather go back and play at Clemson. <laughs> uh, than go play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. 
That, that, that organization's a mess. Uh, you know, yeah. Urban Meyer, you know, we, we mentioned his name, you know, being the favorite for that job. Um, you know, Urban is one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. Love him or hate him. And I, I lean towards more the other direction. Um, I mean, the, the track record speaks for itself. But look at what he's done with quarterbacks as far as what they've gone on to the pros. It's been a, a train wreck. This guy does not develop NFL quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins being the most recent case study. JT Barrett, Cardell Jones, Tim Tebow, Chris Leak. Um, you know, the, what's, the best one he's got was Alex Smith. That was it. And that was at Utah. Um, so if you're talking about a college pros going to the NFL, yes, Urban Meyer is a hell of a coach. Don't get me wrong. But when you look at the NFL track record, it's just simply isn't there for Urban. Yeah, Urban Meyer is going to take this job only because of one thing. He can't get a top-line college job because one's not available. Um, he can't go get, you know, the, the job at Alabama or, you know, Georgia or, or Miami or something. There's no – he's going to want to be something – one of those kind of places. Urban Meyer's a job jumper. He is, the, he is a football version of Larry Brown. Yes. He's going to stay somewhere for a couple of years. He's either going to do – a really good job of building your foundation of a program in college, or in my estimation, I don't know how he's going to look in the NFL. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, college coaches going to the NFL. Jimmy Johnson was the best one. And I read Jimmy Johnson's book. I'm a big Jimmy Johnson fan. But when he came in, he came in because he was, he was good friends with the owner. The owner basically said it was you know, Jerry Jones. He says, hey, you got carte blanche. Do what you think's best. And Jimmy Johnson was very comfortable. Um, it's an interesting read, if you ever get a chance, about what he talks about, how he changed his personal life to be the coach and the, the Cowboys and what he had to do. You know, Barry Switzer is one of those two or three, I think it's three guys who have won national championships and a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Johnson's one of them. Pete Carroll's the other. Was the other. Yeah. And, but Pete Carroll was an NFL guy before he went to USC. Right. Back to Seattle. So he had an idea of what the NFL already was. Um, Urban Meyer does not have that background. You know, he was a guy who was the read option coach, you know, at Utah, used that to get the Florida job. Uh, Then he did Florida. They were great, but then all hell broke loose with the NCAA when he left. Um, I would love to see a 30 for 30 on the Urban Meyer years at Florida. It'd be incredible with some of the guys they had on that team. Um, But from there, we don't know what he's going to be. I mean, he's done well at Ohio State. Now he's out because, you know, he's all of a sudden he's got issues with health. It's always his health and his family. Mm -hmm. What the hell is the NFL is going to be like? Right. You know, I I think the Khan family – and Urban Meyer is a perfect marriage for us to sit back and we should be like Stephen A. Smith talking about the Cowboys, just lighting up a cigar and laughing our asses off at it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that uh, ultimately works out that way. Uh, the Chargers beat the Chiefs 38-21. Uh, to 21. We already talked about the Chiefs. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, with them playing their backups um, – you know, they, they held their own credit where credit's due. They, they have, they showed that they have some depth. This game was closer than what the score indicated. I think if you're a chiefs fan, you got to like that. Hey, you know what? McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, 
Um, you know, Bo Pete played well. Um, the seventh round cornerback that they have. Um, you know, like the depth that you saw from the Chiefs. You, you didn't win, but you saw exactly what you wanted there. You, you know that you have some guys you can turn to if need be come this playoff stretch. For the Chargers, Herbert was phenomenal, and he broke the rookie touchdown record for passing touchdowns, uh, 30 touchdowns for the year. Granted, um, he was playing against the JV version of the Chiefs. But still, what a year for, uh, for, for Justin Herbert. I am excited to see what this guy's going to do for the next several years. Hopefully he can get a better coach than Anthony Lynn there, but Chargers at seven, seven and nine, they found their quarterback. If they move on from Anthony Lynn, that's an attractive job other than the ownership. So you called the chiefs to J I was going to use the line that they were like the chargers beat the chiefs JV team. <laughs> <laughs> they just did. Um, hey, Herbert's got some skills. The guy's got a rocket. I mean, that arm of his is a cannon. It's accurate. He's long. Um, He's in a better situation than the other quarterbacks that were drafted this year. Uh, going to San Diego, he's got some bits and pieces around him. Um, I'm wondering what's going to happen with Anthony Lynn. I, I'm on the fence with him. There's things I like. There's things I don't like. What I don't like has been the last four or five weeks, the effort the team's shown. They've gotten blasted in a couple of games. Uh, by teams that weren't that good. But they came out today, they played hard, they scored some points. But it was the, I mean, it was the Chiefs JV team. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, they sat more teams. It was like half a team had COVID and was sitting out. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of them right now. Um, yeah. I like the quarterback. That alone will make that an attractive team, a job if a coach, if they do move on. Um, I'm not so certain that they will or that they should. I don't have a good feel for that one. Um, well, you, you have yeah, some just, good players, um, you know, Eckler, Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen. I mean, they got some pieces there to work with. Um, it's just a matter of if they can get a coach. I, I Personally, I think if they get a coach to put it together, that's what's the missing thing there for yeah. the Chargers. But we'll see. Um, the uh, Rams beat the, the uh, Cardinals 18-7. to and uh, the Rams, uh, they played a, a backup quarterback and uh, uh, Stryler, I think is how you said. Um, he was, uh, <laughs> it, it was interesting. I, I Boomer Sison filled in for a Romo who had COVID. And uh, Boomer was great, actually. I enjoyed Boomer on the call. I wish he called more games, but he had a really good line in the broadcast. He said, uh, I guess this kid was a CFL quarterback previously and he said look you can't you, you can't throw into triple coverage in the nfl this isn't the cfl where you can just swing it around the yard all day it doesn't work like that in the national football league uh boomer's great uh, but he, he was fine filling in for romo um but uh the rams you know 18 points you got to win i think you're happy about that but the rams are a mess we don't expect them to do anything cardinals eight and eight um kind of like what we talked about with the raiders Think big picture. If you would have said going into the year, Cardinals were going to go eight and eight, that was a pretty impressive season. You would take that. Um, didn't finish like they would have liked to. They would have liked to have been in the postseason, had a winning record. But um, we figured out about halfway through the year bowl with this Cardinals team that once you got past Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and, and company, you, you just didn't really have enough there. And when Kyler Murray went down in this game, 
this team was – they were like zombies out there. They, they couldn't do anything. Uh, they have to find more weapons, and, and they will, uh, around those guys. Those guys need some help. They can't carry the, this team by themselves. Yeah, um, so starting with the Cardinals, um, you know, we picked them on the for your Thursday show last week, and, and I thought the Cardinals would win, and I said they thought they'd win based upon Kyler Murray making a play at the end of the game. Uh, Kyler Murray goes down. I did not see any of this game. Um, my, my son yelled at me. He says, Kyler Murray's hurt. And I was like, oh, well, there goes that game. <laughs> I mean, that's what I said. I, and, and that's knowing that the Rams weren't playing golf. Um, I think that the Cardinals, I mean, you look at what they were a year ago, and I think it's the next logical step. I don't think anyone thought that the Cardinals were going to be a 10-6, and 11-5 team this year. Um, they're going to have a couple guys retire. I'm, I'm certain Larry Fitzgerald is going to retire. Um, I think that Patrick Peterson will probably either retire or uh, maybe they cut him after June 1st and he ends up signing somewhere for a year. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he's with my New Orleans Saints. Uh, but they're going to have a couple of older veteran guys leave and they're going to have to get young and they're going to have to get some athletes in there on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, they're in a division where everybody's in flux. All four teams in that division, you, we don't know who – none of them are None of them are spectacular. Seattle has the best offensive player in Russell Wilson, the best quarterback. Uh, the Rams are the best defensive player. Um, and Aaron Donald, who's a generational defensive player. But we really don't know who any of those four teams in that, in that division are. So there could be a really good opportunity for both these teams – to switch out some parts in the offseason and be better next year. For the Cardinals, again, you're going to have to get a little bit older. For the Rams, are a little bit younger for the Cardinals in certain places and a little bit older in certain others. You're the Rams. Whoo, they got issues. Yeah. Issues offensively. Um, who would have thought did not having Todd Gurley would be that big a deal? Uh, they got to find a running back that's going to be a bell cow. They got to find a running back who can carry the ball 20 times. If I'm the Rams, and the reason you have to do that, normally teams wouldn't have to, Jared Goff's not going to beat, not going to drop back and throw the ball 40 times, and you win that game. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to win 11 or 12 games with him dropping back that much. If I'm the Rams, I got to call the Cowboys and see if we can swap problems. Send me Ezekiel Elliott. Let me send you some money or something I need to get off the books, and let's make a deal here. And, and if I'm the Rams, I want to focus on run game, run game, run game. And then what you might see there is the Rams become the NFC version of the Tennessee Titans. You can do that with Jared Goff. But do not expect him to go back and throw the ball 40 times and think you're going to have a chance for success. Those are kind of the things I see with those two teams moving forward. Yeah. Um, just ask my fantasy team about that with having Jared Goff as my quarterback this year. That didn't work out too well. Um, the, uh, the Seahawks uh, got the win over the Niners, 26-23. Uh, to 23. Seahawks finish out at 12-4. and four. Uh, Niners finish out at 6-10. and 10. I think if you're, you're Seattle, you like how much your defense got better this year, but you're, you're still not playing great football. No one – takes you as a threat, takes you seriously when it comes to this postseason. San Francisco, much like some of the teams we've talked about earlier, um, 
you know, injuries. Their season kind of ended before it started. They'll be back. They'll be a team that competes for the playoffs, potentially wins the NFC next year. They could they could do that. Um, but the health just really got out of hand with this team. Um, you know, they're early on in the season, uh, you know, but, you know, they finished strong. They beat Arizona, compete with uh, Seattle here. Um, you also had that weird situation with them having to move stadiums, you know, uh, you know, two thirds of the way through the season and such, just an odd year for the Niners. Um, you know, that, that's where I look at with both those teams, Bo is uh, Niners odd year. It, it happens in the NFL's tough league Seahawks 12 and four, but I, I, I like what the defense has done, but I'm, I'm still not buying them making a run of sorts. Yeah. So um, we talked early the beginning of the season. I thought the Niners were the team that would drop off the most. And I thought that based upon, I didn't think they played particularly well at the end of the year, but they kind of, they kind of forced gumped their way to the playoffs. They got rolled in the Super Bowl. I know score wise they didn't, but they were never really competitive in my view in that game. Um, I don't like the 49ers offense. They cannot score points. Um, they have had a lot of injuries. Uh, so they've got some decisions to make, but, the injury bug is going to be the one that they're going to lean on and say, Hey, we have so many injuries. And they did. They're going to have to learn their identity in the off season. That's going to be difficult. So I, 49ers kind of give them a pass because it's a large, large, large amount of, I've never seen so many, a team lose so many starters because of injuries. This season. Right. Uh, early as they lost. Right. Right. Uh, the Seattle, same. Go ahead. Seattle learned a couple things this year. Russell Wilson is really great. Uh, and they learned they've got, a stud in DK Metcalf. He was good. He's phenomenal. Um, that defense has played so much better in the last four to five weeks. They seem to be getting better, better, better. Of course, they added Jamal Adams. That's a humongous piece of that defense. They'll never be the Legion of Boom again. They're just You can't have that when you have to pay the quarterback so much money. But um, Seattle's that team that, you know, on a given day, they could beat you. Russell Wilson can go out there and throw five touchdowns and beat you. DK Metcalf's a nightmare. They've got pieces. Now what do you do? And as a Saints fan, and the way the NFC looks, Seattle can win two games and make a run. I don't know they will. I don't think it's likely, but they could. I mean, they, they could out-athlete you a couple times. If, they, if you go in there, and play a C game, and they play an A game, they might win. All right. The uh, the Saints, we, we, we mentioned, uh, you know, really good year, good finish once they got Breeze back. You had three touchdowns against the Panthers. This game wasn't close. They're 12-4. They're and four. They're taking on the Bears next week. The uh, Panthers at 5-11, and 11, this was a team that competed all season long. Um, I think the consensus was that Matt Rule did a good job. This was a team that – people thought were was going to tank, could potentially have that number one pick. That was never uh, really a possibility for the Panthers this year uh, with the way that they played. Teddy Bridgewater was banged up for a bit. You lost Christian McCaffrey for much of the year. Um, I like what Carolina's doing, what, what they're building with Matt Rule and uh, the pieces that they have there, the emphasis on analytics. That's a team that's going to get good. Still might be another year or two away, but Carolina, I think, is on the up and up, Bo. So um, Matt Rule did a great job this year. I think he did great, especially when you lose so much offense and Christian McCaffrey getting hurt. 
Um, he comes back. They're a different offense. They still got a couple more wins. Um, I'm not sold on Teddy Bridgewater being a long-term solution to quarterback, but, you know, he's a bridge for a couple of years, see what they can do. Um, they're a team that can be – they can make a leap next year. Um, there's some things that they don't – you don't beat them bad. They lost 33-7 to this week. That might be their worst loss of the season. I don't know that. I'm always speculating that. But it seems like every week the Panthers play fairly well and fairly close, no matter who the opponent is. Right. Um, right. The Saints, it is all or nothing right now. This is it. I'm a Saints fan since, the, since, since I was born in 1975. I've been a Saints fan my whole life. We've won one. If we're going to win another one, it has to be right now. The best defense they've had since the Dome Patrol. They got a Hall of Fame quarterback who's 40 years old. And he ain't coming back, boys and girls. And Taysom Hill is not the answer. <laughs> Taysom Hill ain't the answer next season. The Saints either have to win. It's Super Bowl or bust right now. And they know it. They know it in that locker room right now. If they win it, they can go eight and eight next year, and it'll be okay. If they don't win it, that team is going to be a massive overhaul this past season. They're in the worst salary cap situation in the league. They're $96 million over right now based on this year's cap. There's word that the cap next year might be lower because of the Saints are in a salary cap hell. So it is all or nothing right now. Yeah, make or break for uh, the Saints at uh, at this point in time. We'll uh, we'll see what happens uh, with uh, that uh, that Saints team uh, at this point. The uh, Titans squeaked out a win against the Texans. Uh, this one was down to the wire, and and when I say squeaked out, uh, Solman, their kicker, who most of the roster didn't even know was on the team <laughs> this week, uh, hit a thirty-seven yard field goal at the buzzer that went off the upright and bounced in. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, and he, he held his own. He had a great performance himself. That Texans offense was solid, uh, but ultimately uh, it was the Titans that pulled it out. 11-5 season, a division title for the Titans. Watch out. Uh, we, we've liked the Titans all season long. Um, I, I don't have any issue with them competing against the Texans. We've said that for a long time that with Deshaun Watson, they're a – uh, you, they're, they're one of the best bad teams out there that they can still hang with a lot of teams. Um, the Texans, that job, Bo, um, we, we've known it was going to be open before any other as they fired Bill O'Brien after week five. Um, you know, that's a really good job in the sense of, you know, you, you got a franchise quarterback there, but you don't have very many draft picks. You gave up your what would be your number three pick right now for Laramie Tunzel. Miami's going to get that pick. Um, and you got some salary cap issues there. Uh, Houston, you got the quarterback, but you got a lot of problems for building your future. So, um, yeah. Okay, so the Titans, first off, we'll go quickly because we got to talk about them. Great season for them. 11 11- Five is about where we thought they'd all be. Yeah. Uh, they're the team that's – they're the opposite. They're like the bizarro team of the NFL. They're the team that doesn't want to score 40 points a game and get into a shootout. They scored 40 and won this week. But they they did that against what amounts to being a bad team right now. 
Um, the Titans are a team that, you know, they're, they've got a window. Their window's open right now. They've got a couple of years, and they're not having to overspend on Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback that gives them some flexibility. He did get a contract, but he's not getting, you know, Patrick Mahomes kind of money. Um, the Texans, you've got, as a coach, looking at that job, you've got a franchise quarterback. This is the only job open where you have a franchise quarterback. I've always said, look, there's only about seven or eight of those guys in the league. He's one of them. He is. He, he's one of the best seven or eight quarterbacks in the NFL. That job's attractive because of Deshaun Watson. Um, they've played a lot better than their record at four and 12. Uh, the last few weeks, they played hard for Romeo Cornell. You knew they would. Everyone always likes Romeo. He's the perfect. He is the Ed Ogeron of the NFL when it comes to being the, the guy that everyone likes. He's the perfect interim coach. Uh, but he's not a head coach, as right. Chiefs fans know. Um, you know, so I mean, players like him. But the Texans have got a lot to worry about. You know, what do you do with J.J. Watt? That's the first thing. He's making a lot of money. He's older. He's getting older. I don't think he's worth it now. Uh, the Laramie Tunsil trade has got to be one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL. If I was the head coach, the new head coach of the Texans, I would call, would send – a bag of glitter to Bill O'Brien's house. And I'm saying glitter because I can't say something else and just hoping it explodes all over the place. And it takes forever to clean. That's the worst trade you've given up. What is the number three pick for Larry B. Tunsil, who is a, a good player, but he's not the guy. Go use third pick in the draft on a tackle. He better be your left tackle for the next 15 years. He ain't. <laughs> Um, that's a tough gig. I'm going to find it really interesting to see who they hire. And, you know, that's also kind of a situation ownership wise where you've got, you know, um, Bobby Nair passed away. His, his, his wife now owns the team and she's the majority owner. And, you know, so they don't have football people in certain places. You know, I talked about this offline at one point. It's like, what do you do? I, I don't know. And I, it's going to be very, that's, that's the interesting hire to me. Of all the positions, I want to see who that team hires. Yeah. Because that team, that coach, is going because of Deshaun Watson. Well, and, and if you're a coach looking at that job, you may just say, you know, hey, I'm not getting, getting hired here to be GM. The GM's just got to figure this out. It's my job to coach this team and coach up Deshaun Watson. Maybe that's how you approach that. I don't know. Um, maybe I would think the Texans aren't going to make the same mistake twice of making their head coach GM. Um, but we'll see. Uh, no, this, this could be a spot too that, you know, I know you've talked about it offline and we talked about it even online a little bit. Um, an Eric B enemy thing with the, with the, with the, with the GM he likes. If Eric B enemy looks at Sean Watson and thinks that that's his Patrick Mahomes, that's a spot he could go to. Yeah. And, and if he says to, you know, he's got the right GM with him, you know, John Dorsey, uh, you know, Scott Pioli, whoever it may be, um, you figure it out. I'm going to coach team. You know, it's not my job to be GM. Maybe that's how you handle that. I don't know. Um, and, and we talked about this off the top, but the, uh, the Washington Philadelphia win Philly, um, Jalen Hurts looked okay. He had two rushing touchdowns, but he was 7-20 passing. 
I think you have to move on from Carson Wentz. That's established. Jalen's got to be your guy. I think he's earned the right to be your opening day starter next year. I think uh, that we're going to see, uh, you know, that coaching staff from Doug Peterson for the most part all back next year. But they got to do better than four eleven and one, and they got to get some offensive line. That offensive line was just atrocious. I think they had fourteen different uh, lineups all season long, and they have some talent. They have some dudes with uh, with Rager and uh, and some of the other players on that team. But they have to get that offensive line fixed. Um, the Eagles, I don't think, are in terrible shape. Um, they just get they just have some things to. to to take care of you know they, they have to work on that offensive line before they can do anything else washington that team seven and nine finished great story with alex smith certainly happy for him um i would not rule out their chances against tampa don't write them off so quickly um i said i like this tampa team don't get me wrong but look at what washington's done when alex smith has been under center they beat that pittsburgh team they've competed with some really good football teams when alex smith has been the guy Alex Smith gives Washington a chance against Tampa. Okay. A lot to unpack there. <laughs> first off, let's go. Which way you want me to go first? You want me to go Washington or Philly here? Because I got opinions here. Or which, whichever opinion that you're feeling more uh, fired up okay. about. Let's go Washington first. Okay, so they're Thank in the playoffs. You. Okay, so Washington is ascending. Uh, Ron Rivera done a fantastic job this year. Okay, fantastic. And Alex Smith's a great story. But did you watch Alex Smith as a Kansas City Chiefs quarterback? Yes. Fair question. Did you watch Alex yes. Smith? Yeah. Yes. At any time, were they a Super Bowl contender with Alex Smith at quarterback? I, I, I thought that they could potentially could make a run, but it didn't ultimately work out. Yeah, yeah. They, they could potentially make a run, yeah. Look, Alex Smith's a, a, a great story. I'm so happy for him, his family, and everyone that he's doing well. He got to go back and play wonderful. That guy is captain check down. That'll change. He was captain check down when he was the Chiefs quarterback. They had zero chance to win a Super Bowl with, with Alex Smith, the quarterback. They knew that when he was in the middle of the prime of his career, and they went and drafted a quarterback. Don't think because he's a good story that all of a sudden Alex Smith is Aaron Rodgers. It just ain't going to happen. Fine story. I hope he collects all the money. I hope he gets all his money. He got to play again. Wonderful. God bless you. I've been a big time critic of his over the years. It's not personal. I think he's a hell of a guy. But he's not a good quarterback. He's just not. Not the NFL, not when you need someone who occasionally can drop back 40 times. He is Jared Goff. He's just older. Yeah. The rep oh, almost said it. I caught myself. The Washington football team has a really good coach and in a really good situation as far as what they're going to do. Their owner was finally just smart enough. Well, he was told by enough people to shut the f up and <laughs> do what he has to do. Excuse my language. But, um, <laughs> I think if Ron Rivera is in charge of that team and he finds a quarterback, they've got a good chance to be a really, really sharp team in that league, in that division because they got a defense. I like Chase Young. Um, I like some of the pieces they have. That That's a team that's ascending. They have an opportunity to get better. Part of that is they're in a division that's the weakest division in the league. Right. 
Now, why is that division so weak? Cowboys are awful. They've shown it. Even if they had Dak Prescott, maybe get a couple more wins with Dak Prescott. That team around him is awful. The Giants, again, they're not deep at all. Kind of like the situation a little bit, but I don't like them a lot. And then you have the Eagles. All right. We are two years removed from the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two years removed from the year that the Eagles caught the, they caught the road, the lightning somehow got through with Nick Foles, at quarterback, because Carson Wentz is freaking terrible. <laughs> and now the Eagles are going, where, what are we going to do? Right. You know what you do? If you're the Eagles, you put everybody in the dumpster. You light son of a bitch on fire and you throw it down the street because that team's awful. They're awful. The O-line's terrible. The quarterback situation's terrible. Jalen Hurts is starting quarterback there, and he's not bad. But is Jalen Hurts a franchise quarterback? No. No. I mean, God bless him, and I'm, and I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. I like Jalen Hurts. Even though he went to Alabama, I was a fan of how, he, how classy he handled the Tua stuff in college. He went to OU and did really well, almost won the Heisman. I want to see him succeed. That franchise is a, it's a goddamn dumpster fire. It's just a dumpster fire. That roster's a dumpster fire. They're in a terrible situation. They have the worst quarterback contract in the whole damn league. Mm-hmm. How They're going to have to scam somebody to get Carson Wentz off that team. They're going to have to get someone to fall in love with Carson Wentz and pay him what equivalence is like 60 million bucks in the next two years. Take him off here, and you're still going to pay 20 million beforehand. Um, I loved it. I was listening to again, and I brought it up earlier. Andrew Brandt had um, uh, Bob Do- Bob Downer, or Bob Downer, the uh, former Eagles president, before they brought in Doug Peterson's group, and he said, "Look, he'd have made the same mistake. He would have given Wentz that money. He would have probably structured it differently, but he would have paid it, and it would have been a mistake." And he said, "It's a mistake." And the only way the Eagles can get out of that contract was a trade this offseason after June 1st. And you're going to have to pick up $20 million in cash to get, get him off the roster. That's how bad he is. His own players don't like him. His own offense doesn't want him. That's a horrible team. Um, if Doug Peterson stays or goes or whatever, I'd get away from that dumpster fire i they're going to be another four and 11 one four and 12 next year whether jalen hurts is their quarterback or they're gonna get randall cunningham or unless reggie white shows up with jerome brown and in the the 1980s and early 90s eagles defense that team's (laughs) trouble and they're horrible absolutely horrible so there you have it that's our look around the national football league let's uh Let's move on and talk college football playoff. Uh, the semifinals on Friday. Let's start with Ohio State's win over Clemson, 49-28. to Trey Sermon was phenomenal running the football, almost 200 yards. Uh, great day for him. Justin Fields played the game of his life, six touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he, he was just great. And Clemson, you know, this was a team that was built up all season long, even when they lost to Notre Dame, said, hey, they're going to be just fine. 
Uh, you know, they're the second best team in the country, only behind Alabama. Uh, that's what we heard about all season long. But here was something that, that I said on Thursday's show, and this is exactly what happened. I said that what is the consistent theme been in this inconsistent college football season, Bo, that we don't know who anybody is and that teams are becoming much different and developing throughout the season. That by the time that we get to, you know, the three quarters of the way, close to the end, everybody's turning into a different team of some sort. That there's a moment that you see something happen. Case in point with Oklahoma, that Oklahoma State game was proof, okay, this is a different team than what we saw against K-State. Um, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Teams had those moments. Alabama, with, with the performance they had against LSU, it's like, all right, well, that's a different team than they were against Ole Miss at the beginning of the season. We've had those examples with these elite teams. Ohio State finally had their peak. That, Although we hadn't seen them play great, those two weeks, they finally hit their points. And – you know, some people will say that, you know, playing eight, you know, just six games was an advantage of some sorts as opposed to Clemson who had played 11. I, I don't buy any of that. This was just a matter of Ohio State finally peaking at the right time, and it happened to be the perfect time for them. Um, if this game was played a couple of weeks ago, I think Clemson wins. But, uh, you know, we're seeing that these two – what we saw was both these teams finally, you know, play close to what they're capable of, and Ohio State – turned out to be a much better football team. Okay, so I'm with you on a lot of this. Um, Ohio State's in the playoff because they passed the eye test. Right. And they were the team that's the, the talented team that, yeah, they were 6-0. and They didn't play half the season. And then really the Big Ten came back so that Ohio State could be where they're at right now. Now, Ohio State, to their credit, took Clemson out to the damn woodshed, and they beat the hell out of them. Uh, this game was never in doubt. Um, Trevor Lawrence still throws for 400 yards and two touchdowns, but when you're that far down the whole game, you're going to keep throwing the football. Um, now, I don't think – you mentioned something about Mike Florio. I haven't seen this yet. He's talking about the Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I'd be the number one pick. Um, He's talking about Justin Fields possibly getting looked at by the Jags. No, no way in hell is that happening. That would be a very Tony Khan or a very uh, Shad Khan thing to do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Hey, I I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say which one I think is better. Trevor Lawrence has got the pedigree. He is the guy when it comes to the draft, but he didn't play um, bad. Trevor Lawrence isn't why they lost. No. And I think that um, when you look at that team, I, I, I'm not convinced that Clemson was – I think Clemson was exposed last year. I think they were exposed in the championship game last year. I think LSU beat the hell out of them. You know, even when they got – um, Clemson got ahead, it was 10 nothing. Then uh, it was 17-10, and then from there, LSU just said, no, 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 we're better than you guys are. Um, look, my biggest problem with Clemson is the same guy that got them where they are now is their biggest problem. And that's Dabo Sweeney. Um, Dabo Sweeney needs to shut his mouth because I think what he did was he pissed off a lot of really good athletes in Ohio State and said, okay, we're not letting this guy tell us that we're not good. Yeah. You know, they went into a game. They went into a, they went into a gunfight with a team that's just as good a gunfighter. They pissed them off, and they said, oh, really? 
let us show you something, big boy. And they just took it to Clemson. Yeah. In all ways you could. Those are two talented teams. Ohio State's a more deeper team. And they got and they played better. Um, you know, Clemson probably should not have been the two seed. You know, these this whole one through four was subjective. We could argue about who should have been and who shouldn't have been in. Uh, and I'm not going to do that right now. Um, but um, in the end, Ohio State showed it. They did pass the eye test, and the eye test was correct. And they're one of the last two teams standing now. And they're a really talented football team. Yeah. Um, three things I, I look at back at this game. I think that, um, you know, Clemson not having their offensive coordinator, I think that was a bigger deal than people anticipated because although they put up points, um, there was a lag of sorts. You, you could tell that this team wasn't used to that play calling, that it wasn't the rhythm that they typically have offensively. Um, I think another thing, too, is that uh, you look at coordinators, Kevin Wilson, former Oklahoma coordinator on the side for Ohio State, their OC, Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator at Clemson, we have seen time and time again that Brent Venables has been, you know, the best defensive coordinator in college football. And, you know, Kevin Wilson went to his bag of tricks of facing that same guy he faced in practice for years and, and lit him up. He knew everything that Clemson was going to do. I don't think we talked about that hardly at all enough going into this game. And the other thing about this too is um, when you talk about recruiting and athletes for Clemson, um, Clemson has had a phenomenal run. Don't get me wrong. What they have been has been fantastic, you know, just the last few years. But they have not turned the results on the recruiting trail like they should. For a team of their caliber, there's no reason why Clemson shouldn't be recruiting top five recruiting classes every year. And they're not doing that. Their last three recruiting classes, last year, 22nd in the country. The year before that, they were eighth. The year before that, they were ninth. Um, those are numbers for teams like Penn State, uh, you know, th th those type of programs. Clemson's got to do a better job on the recruiting trail. Those are three factors, uh, I think, that went into why they lost on uh, – uh, they, they weren't the more talented team. Ohio State was a more talented team than them, Bo. Yeah, I think that you're on to something there with Clemson and recruiting. You know, they had a couple of years where they were in that top five. You know, when they got Trevor Lawrence and, and a couple of years in a row where they were in that top five and getting the best players. I don't know if there's bags of money or what's going on. But frankly, I think part of it is you don't see the, you know, the top echelon kids who are going to college, the five-star guys, the four-star guys, you know, they're asking coaches, what are you going to do to make me get better to get to the NFL? Um, I think Deshaun Watson and a couple others aside, I don't know that Clemson can really say, Dabo Sweeney can really say, we can get you there. Um, not when you compare it to who those top tier teams are, the, the Ohio States who keeps turning out NFL players and, and Alabama is turning out LSU. Uh, LSU is doing the same thing. Yeah. Oklahoma. Um, yeah. Oklahoma does it. Georgia does it. And then also, frankly, it's hard to recruit to Clemson, South Carolina. That's just not a great place. Uh, that's not, you know, I, I guess you could say that it's, a, it's not as, it's, I don't know how to be better than Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or, or you know, um, you know, College Station in Texas. But for some reason, last this current recruiting year and in the previous year, they haven't done as well. Um, 
I think that's a big deal. I think part of it is, I think people see Dabo swinging for what he, in my opinion, truly is. And they're saying, ah, I don't want to play for that guy. I think the thing that, that Dabo Sweeney did wrong, where he lost me, was the uh, when the NCAA was being sued, the players were saying we want to get paid, and Dabo came out strongly against it. Strongly against it. And that's something I think affected players. Players no longer play for that guy, not in that situation. You know, that's the thing where if you don't agree with it, that's fine, but shut your mouth and don't say anything publicly because it's going to hurt recruiting. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think most coaches do agree with it. I think some do, but I don't think all of them do. Mm-hmm. Dabo was very public on the opposite side, and I think that was a big, a big hinder to him. Um, yeah, I think Clemson is on the way down. I think the next couple of years, Trevor Lawrence was the one covering up. He's like a Band-Aid covering up some issues. Uh, you know, NTN, the running back, you know, was fabulous last year. Not as good this year. He's going to be an NFL player, though. And I think he'll be fa- I think he'll be fine when he gets there. Um, I just I think Ohio State just outclassed Clemson. I thought yeah. Ohio State would keep this game close. I thought in the end that Clemson would win in a close game because of Trevor Lawrence, but um, no. Yeah. I, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Alabama beats Notre Dame 31-14. We expected Alabama to to play well. Um, Maybe it was a little bit closer than we thought because Notre Dame had that backdoor cover. But nonetheless, Alabama was in complete control. They dominated. Uh, Mac Jones was great. Najee Harris was great. Um, Devontae Smith uh, was phenomenal. Uh, Seven receptions, 130 yards, three touchdowns. Devonta Smith is the best player in the country, and it's not even close. I mean, he'll he'll win the Heisman Trophy. Um, this Alabama team was was just great, and they were well prepared. Um, I think you look on the other side for Notre Dame. This was a team that didn't have the talent to match Alabama. Not a whole lot of people do, uh, quite frankly. But this was more of the same from Notre Dame, a team that's too committed to that power run game that doesn't want to throw the football, that doesn't have those athletes that makes their academic standards too high and such. Um, This game went really about what we expected it to. I I still, though, Bo, come away impressed with this talent from Alabama. Even with this going according to plan, I still, after that game, was like, wow, Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, that's love or hate Alabama. That's a fun football team. Yeah, so um, as the resident LSU fan here, um, I hate that Alabama is this good, but they are the best team in the country. They have the best coach in the history of college football. Um, he, the story for this college football season is going to be simply that Alabama did not let COVID get in the way. They were the one team that handled this better than everybody. That goes back to Nick Saban and kind of his will alone. Um, they recruit, they get the best players. They got and then they use those players and they play those players in situations where they're not just the best athletes and the best players, but they get better and they go to the NFL and they're superstars. And they're just floating at every position. At every position, Alabama has a starter in the NFL now. Um, it's amazing what they've done. And um, they called the dogs off on Notre Day. They right. called the dogs off at halftime. Uh, I know that game was 21-7 at the half, 
but Alabama wasn't even trying. You know, I, a little bit I watched at times in the second half, it was like, wait a minute, they're just making a couple of plays here because they're just better athletes. They're not trying. They're not scheming things to put additional pressure on Notre Dame. They're just they just they just roll the helmets up there and play better. Um, you know, when we talked Thursday, I said well, the spread was like 19 and a half, and I said lay the points. They're going to win by 30 or whatever. Um, you know, Notre Dame did cover that with that last touchdown at the end, but it was again because the dogs were called off. Um, we talked about Notre Dame Saturday night, you and I did, and I think Brian Kelly's a really great coach. I think he's a phenomenal coach. I think he's the best Notre Dame football coach in my lifetime. That's a long time. So uh, even better than Lou Holtz, who I know won a national championship and has better accolades. Um, but I'm telling you, I, I think Brian Kelly is the perfect coach at Notre Dame. The only reason Notre Dame cannot move up, there's two reasons in my opinion. They cannot move up to that upper echelon to be with Ohio State, Alabama, you can include Clemson in there right now. I mean, they've been consistently very good. You know, LSU had the year last year in there with them. Uh, you've got a few other teams. A and M is one of those teams, in my opinion. Oklahoma certainly is. The reason Notre Dame isn't is that they can't recruit certain athletes. They can't recruit certain athletes because of the way the academics work in Notre Dame. They won't make those uh, those calls to bring in some of those players. Brian Kelly can work around that a little bit. And that team will never get better than they are right now. That tells me how phenomenal Brian Kelly is because those athletes are not on the same level as any of the other teams in this playoff. No. They had a really great season. The other thing I think Notre Dame should do, one, I think they should open up their recruiting and let some players come in. And two, they should join the ACC. They should absolutely join the ACC. I think it'd be great for the ACC. I think it'd be even better for Notre Dame. You'd have an instant rival right now with Clemson. You know, you could still play your traditional um, teams you like playing in the offseason, in the in the, in the uh, non-conference. You could still lock a few of those in. Man, I, I think it'd be a mutually beneficial relationship for Notre Dame to go to the ACC. I think this season's shown it. You know, because now you can say, well, let's win a division, let's win a conference championship, and we're in. Right. Notre Dame can't do that right now. If Notre Dame didn't play in the ACC this year and they had the one loss, they wouldn't have gotten in. Right. It, it, it gave them some leeway that they, they didn't have before. Yeah. And uh, you, you talk about schedule-wise, Clemson would be a rival, essentially. Um, Florida State, yeah, obviously. Boston College would be. You know um, who they really add, though? They add Miami. Miami, yeah. And you'd want to see Notre Dame, Miami, just for the historical pieces. If you want to add a historical game to your roster, that's another advantage that Notre Dame has by doing this. Yeah. If I'm Notre Dame, I figure out a way to get that done. And you could still play Michigan and USC every year and and uh, rotate Stanford in on some years or something like that. Yeah, I think it's a win-win if they join the ACC. And obviously, ESPN worked with them on allowing them to still keep their TV contract with NBC and all that. So yeah, you uh, just you just say, hey, we're going to play these non-con games on NBC, and then our conference games, NBC. 
you're going to have to share some of it. Right. You know, they, they can work that out. Where there's a will, there's a way, and money always talks. Right. So yeah. they can be worked out. The, uh, um, the national championship. I think that's the big takeaway. Go ahead. The uh, national championship matchup, Alabama and Ohio State. Uh, Alabama, the clear favorite, obviously. They're about a seven-point favorite. We're going to pick this game later in the week. We're not going to give away our pick just yet. Uh, but, Bo, I would say that based on the way Ohio State played, um, you know, on, on Friday, I would not rule out their chances against Alabama. If anybody has a shot, if anybody can go toe-to-toe based on what we saw it would be Ohio State. I think this could be a very competitive game. I'd be shocked if, if Alabama runs away with this football game here. Uh, I, I'm leaning towards Alabama, obviously, but I'm not ruling out Ohio State's chances here. I mean, they, they showed something that, that they can compete at a high level with that win against Clemson. Well, I'll put it this way. This Ohio State team's the best team Alabama will play this season. Yes. I think that's a fair one. Yeah. Uh, A&M is really, really good right now. That ain't the same A&M team that Alabama played week one. Um, Ohio State, you know, I didn't get beat up as much. I guess that argument can still be there. But you know Nick Saban's not going to let that shit fly at his, at his, on his watch. He's not letting anybody make any excuses. Uh, this is going to be a really good game, I think. I think you got two teams. These are the two, probably the two most athletic teams. Um, they're probably the two, if you look at like NFL prospects, these are probably the two teams with the most NFL prospects currently on rosters. Um, Ryan Day's done a good job at Ohio State. You know, Nick Saban, like I said, he's the GOAT. To me, he's the best college football coach of all time. And um, I, I think it'll be a fun game. I do think Ohio State's got a, a chance. I, I think they they present some um, some some challenges to Alabama that Alabama hasn't had to deal with this season. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. That's well put. Uh, should be uh, exciting. Uh, the national championship, Alabama and Ohio State. We'll talk about it more on uh, Thursday. But my final point on this, kind of wrapping up the the college football playoff and and uh, you know discussion of sorts uh you know we, we heard the news this week that texas is going to hire steve sarkeesian to be their next head coach awful hire by the way um you know just i i, I get not wanting to have tom herman uh, I, I thought tom herman was going to be back next year but um you know I, I totally understand why they moved on from him but uh as my buddy dan lucera put it basically going from uh, Herman to Sark was like going from Chili's to Applebee's is pretty much all you, what you did here. I don't expect Sark to do any better than what Herman did at, at uh, Texas. Another point to this is because Sark is staying on, I don't think that has the impact of what we talked about with Clemson losing their offensive coordinator before the Sugar Bowl when he was diagnosed with COVID. Sark's coaching shouldn't be a problem. Alabama, they're professionals. Um, you know, they'll, it won't be an issue. Uh, if they lose, it's not because Sark took the Texas job. This is just a week that he has prepared. This won't, if anything, this will help Texas, uh, that, that Sark will be involved in this. So uh, th- that's why I look at it, some of those elements of this Sark hire. What say you as far as all that goes, uh, Bo? Well, first off, I'm curious on the timing of the firing of Tom Herman. Uh, when I heard this, I guess it was this morning or last night. I, it was yesterday or today I've heard it. My 
Sorry, my brain's a little a little fuzzy right now with uh, the last couple of days and not much sleep. Um, when I heard this, the first impression I had was that um, why they let him go after the bowl game? Why not do it before the bowl game? Um, so that was a little curious to That's me. why. What's that? Say it again. National Signing Day. That they, they oh, wanted. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And then um, you know you've got because they had the early signing day, and then you've got um, you know Sarkeesian coming in so quickly. This wasn't going to be a wide search, which tells me they were talking to him for a while now, which makes me wonder: Did Herman, did Herman know this already or not? Um, again, as an LSU fan, I'm so glad we did hire Tom Herman a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> but y'all wanted him though. <laughs> oh, we wanted him. We wanted him, and he snubbed us. He snubbed us. And the, we hired a Cajun guy who won a national championship. So screw you, Tom Herman. Uh, <laughs> um, but I thought the timing was curious. I guess the, the signing day stuff does make sense. I didn't think of it that way. Um, here's my take on Texas, though. Texas should be the juggernaut. They absolutely should be. But they're not. And they have never been. Not in my in, – in the last 30 years – so we go back to 1990. They got one national title. They won really that one big game where Vince Young somehow, someway beat that USC team that was much better. And, and Mac Brown coached one great season with, you know, riding that quarterback. I, I don't think – I think it's sort of a myth that – the right coach will come in and Texas will just be great. If that's true, why have they never gotten it right? Uh, they've just never gotten it right at all. And Tom Herman wasn't a bad choice. I don't think Sarkeesian is a great choice. Um, if that's such a great choice, if it's an obvious choice to do it so quickly, that tells me that either they were, they've been talking for a while or Whomever they wanted, really wanted, just said no. Yeah. And that there's a story here. Well, and the rumor was the they were really, the rumor was that Urban Meyer told them no. <laughs> well, and you know, we talked about Urban Meyer earlier and we said he wants a top job. And he looked at Texas and said that's not a top job. He, he's smart enough to know that that place is so delusional. Yeah, it, it should be a joke. There's a few places that absolutely, when you think of the big school in the big state with all the fans and all the money, very few of them are that sort of job. And Texas should be, but UT does not get it done for some reason. And they have it now for more than a generation. So I wish Sarkeesian luck. You know, I think that, you know, I know he had some personal demons and the things he was working on. He went back. It was a reclamation project for Nick Saban. And Nick Saban, yeah, like the, the coach whisperer. Um, I do think you made a comment on this about the, the championship game. Sarkeesian's obviously going to coach the championship game. And I think that that's going to be zero effect on that championship yeah. game. Um, he's not going to raid Saban's staff for assistant coaches either. I would bet my last dollar on that. Well, there, there's a, a rumor. There's a couple names, but it's lower tier. 
Yeah, see, he's not going to take. Yeah, and, and that's a Saban thing. Right. Saban has said in the past, you're not going to take all my guys. Right. You, know, you go like he, you like want. Mike Stoops' name. Guys. Mike Stoops' name has been mentioned for defensive coordinator. Well, he's just an analyst right now. Um, there's a couple of those that are being talked about, but no major yeah. position or coordinators coming over. Yeah, that's the another one of the reclamation projects, the Saban reclamation projects. He gets them in there and. You know, you give Nick Saban a couple of years after you've, you know, either drank your way or done something to get yourself in problems, and all of a sudden he'll get you out of them. Yeah. Um, was a good coach. I mean, he did a good job at USC. He wasn't great. But, um, you know, I mean, to fall into the Texas job is a pretty good gig if you can get it. Um, but I don't think it's an inspired hiring whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think that uh... – that Sark is going to fail because of some alcohol demons of his past or something like that. It, 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 every sign indication points to that he's moved on past that, that he's okay. Um, I think Sark will fail because I don't think he's an elite football coach, and, and that's a, a tough program to handle. The right coach for that job is in North Carolina right now, and they chased him off. Um, so, uh, you know, that's – you know, with Sark, maybe he proves me wrong, but I'm just not buying that he's going to do anything different than than what Tom Herman was. Uh, based on uh, a lot of it has to do what Texas is, not even necessarily about Sark, Sark, uh, Sark as far as that goes. But uh, with that being said, we got to run. Uh, Bo, this went way longer than I anticipated, but we covered a lot of ground uh, on uh, the NFL and college football playoff, and we'll be back again for another show coming up on Thursday. A reminder, as always, subscribe to the Jones Report, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and uh, leave us a five-star review. Or don't leave us one at all. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, TJ Media Group. Bo, uh, what's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group? Hey, man, uh, we are in 2021, and we are it's the busiest time of the year. We want to chat with you. we got a big thing coming. Hey, Go to our Facebook page, O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. You can check me out. I'm going to be posting in the morning on Monday a link. We are going to, starting this week on Tuesday night, for the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing a live Zoom. We're going to talk about some basic money stuff, uh, budgeting, uh, what we call the act of saving. Hey, it's 2021. It's a new year. We always talk about the new year, the new me. And what I want to do is help you. This be the year you get your money right. You want to get your money right. Come check us out. It's free to attend. I'm going to do like 10 minutes on a subject. And then I'm going to leave it open for questions. And then if you're too shy to ask a question, you can email me or chat with me real quick. And I'll set a free time to sit on, talk to you. We can do it in person. We can do it in Zoom. I like the Zoom thing a lot right now. It gets me to a lot of people quickly. So, uh, hey, check us out. Let's all make 2021 a great year. Let's work together. Let me be your partner, help you out, and uh, let's get our money right this year. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Uh, definitely want to check out O'Connor Advisor Group. That's uh, OAGKS.com, and O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com is the website there. You can check out for more information also on Facebook. And uh, that does it. That is show number one in Omaha. I'm actually in a hotel in, uh, in Omaha right now where I've moved to officially. Bo's holding things down from in uh, Lawrence for us, and uh, we're excited about where this show is going, the direction of it, and uh, its future. It should be a lot of fun. Appreciate you, the listener, for stopping by and joining us. We'll see you on Thursday. So long, everybody.